Today's episode is sponsored by Alliance Leisure, the UK's leading leisure development specialist. Over the last 30 years, Alliance has worked with numerous local authorities to design and develop community sustainable leisure environments that encourage active lives, promote community cohesion, and tackle health inequalities. With a diverse portfolio of more than 220 leisure developments ranging from single site projects to multi-million pound complete leisure portfolio transformations, Alliance Leisure Services can be procured through the UK Leisure Framework. The framework is open to all public sector organisations in the UK. For more information, visit allianceleisure.co.uk. Welcome back to The Truth About Local Government. And today, our final episode before Christmas, we are talking all things transformation within adult social care. And to do that, I have roped in um, an expert, um, Alex Marlman, who is Director of Local Public Services for EY. Now, what does Alex do? Alex is essentially an expert ensuring that transformational change that takes place within adult social care achieves what it is set out to do. So, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you for the invitation. It's great to see you in the the last meeting before Christmas. <laughs> it's uh, I can't believe the year's gone already, but um, no, it's 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 great to have you on. So let's start out by having this discussing your background. How did you gain experience of transformation, and how how does your experience across so many different sectors lead to that? successful partnership with councils around adult social care yeah no thank you for that so um my career in change effectively started from a desire i like things that work i don't like things that don't work um problem solving um i'm one of those people who uh, probably slightly irritating to live with but when something doesn't work as well as what it could do i don't understand why it isn't improved and made a little bit better so Kind of my my initial career, if you like, was a mixture of consulting and then private sector uh, operational leadership roles, all looking into operational excellence, performance excellence, answering the question of what do we do? How do we do it? How well are we doing that? Um, And I think from there, joining the consultancy at EY for my first stint, working at how to bring people with you on that journey became really, really important. It was all well and good coming up with theory and strategy and stuff like that. But unless you had people with you on the journey, it wasn't going to change. So first part of my career, all around operational excellence, um, typically within the private sector of doing that. Um, You then ask why the shift across the social care and and into the public sector more widely. Um, I had a life experience, uh, to be honest, actually, and seeing a team come together in the middle of the night for a bit of a a, a challenging uh, emergency situation it was one of the highest performing teams i've ever seen and i got chatting actually to uh, an anaesthetist who had exactly the same birthday as me out of interest and um it opened my eyes a little bit actually to combining sort of a, a more of a personal drive and passion um, and how i could bring my professional experience to bear in that um and long story short have found myself working in the NHS in a transformation director role as COVID broke, um, relearned the experience of um, having a unifying purpose really helps to get change done. And has since then been working in local government and mainly within social care. I think it just is a kind of context and why this conversation is so important is at the moment we have got an increasing demand from adult social services. And my question to yourself is, how do we drive better outcomes from adult social care? 
there is an increasing drive into into social care absolutely right i think the other challenge from social care is or facing social care is there are so many different headwinds uh, coming towards and i guess that's really similar to often any organization or operation that's looking to change it's about determining what are those headwinds and how best to try to to mitigate against those determining the extent each of those are having and, and what to do so yes you're absolutely right increased uh, demand on the sector we're seeing demand expressing in terms of volumes we're seeing um, greater acuity of need and we're also seeing greater length of time that an individual is requiring support from social care affecting the sector but that is one major headwind which we'll talk about but also recognising where the impact of things like inflation, things like changes in policies and unaccompanied children, for example, is a um, something that's really affecting children's services teams up and down the country as well. So for me, um, what we talk about is how to drive better outcomes, um, changing the model of social care to one which is focusing on supporting more by reacting less and also the narrative, moving from a, a narrative of the cost and the rising cost of social care instead to the value case for social care, essentially looking to understand um, the those who draw on support and some, some organisations call those individuals service users, some call them customers, some call them people um, or, or citizens or residents, other phrases. But being really clear that that group of people, you understand exactly what they need and precisely when they need it and trying to meet that need in the most efficient and effective way possible. That's the headlines or that's the, the theory that we try to bring and support our social care counterparts in the sector um, who work incredibly hard in what are really quite often very bleak circumstances they find themselves in. One of the reasons we started the podcast was to try and drive engagement within with the public, with local authorities. And a lot of the time, most people, the normal person in the street isn't aware of the, the magnitude of responsibility, for example, that sits within adult social care. Do you feel that a lot of the time you talked about there about the value case for social care, it stems from the fact that there's a lack of understanding as to um, what is taking place and the strains that are on the system from the public. And therefore, because it's not in the public's agenda, it's not necessarily a uh, an area of contention for winning votes and therefore maybe isn't being pushed by um, the political members of organisations. But also the fact that, you know, you talked there about that kind of life experience that you had. I mean, for myself, uh, you know, my my family and personal circumstance, I only really personally knew about adult social care within local government because of first-hand family experience. And it's one of those things where I think unless you have had a family member that suddenly needed care, it's one of the things I don't think people naturally think about when they think about council tax. They think about, you know, the bins, the roads, but adult social care is one of the greatest um, kind of, uh, if you look at the percentage of, of spend of every pound of local government spending is on adults and children's. Um, I don't know. Do you think that's that's true at all, or do you think that's a lot of nonsense from my side? I'm one hundred percent not nonsense. Um, from being from the internal side, working within a, a large county council, seeing the the annual returns and questionnaires of um, values and where the tax pounds dollars should be being spent, that abs- what you're what you're saying absolutely rings true. I do think that there are there is change. I do think people are increasingly aware of it, and I think that's one of the one of the potential upsides from COVID actually putting social care much more into the into the spotlight, um, I think has been useful. Um, I think a couple of other thoughts. I think um, 
social care is typically the backstop it is there for very difficult times and circumstances but you typically don't spend your time thinking about those difficult circumstances until you're in the midst of a crisis and I think one of the challenges that faces social care is uh, there's lots of ideas about moving towards digital adoption and digital technologies and things like that I still think it's quite a human natural response to a crisis to want to speak to someone Um, what you do is you contact a trusted individual or organization in this case your local authority and you you're there to seek help so i do think that part of that narrative um and bringing social care more to the forefront is really important actually to help people to know what to do and not necessarily wait until in crisis um to begin to draw on social care to begin to understand the options the available and actually the role of communities far early i think it's a really important part there matt I think there's an we'll come on to it later on but you know talking about technology kind of empowerment and in terms of you're right that early intervention is such a more cost-effective way for the system to engage with and support individuals rather than waiting to that point of crisis but as an overall then in terms of you know we're talking about adult social care and for a long time you know councils and partnership organizations have tried to make uh, you know inroads to resolve the the challenges and issues that are facing the sector you know what are the ways forward what do you think needs to happen to see a progress made in the sector. Yeah, and I think I also, I mean, it's really important to stress there is loads and lots and lots of progress that is being made in the sector. I think uh, I was at a conference just last week hosted by uh, TLAP, Think Local, Act Personal, and it's amazing to see some of the examples and projects and really like the the effort that, that people are going under to come up with innovative ideas and, and ways to add benefit into the sector. If I could. Uh, as a consultant, I like to group things into frameworks and things like that. So maybe three simple steps that could be being adopted, which I think would 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 help to shift the needle that a little bit further. I think number one, simplify and ensure common understanding for stakeholders, providers, communities, uh, integrating people's experience throughout. It is often a really complicated uh, environment. As 153 local authorities' responsibility for adult social care, almost the same number for children's social care as well. And that does tend to mean there's 153 different ways of doing things which could be quite simple um, or could be quite similar, I should say, uh, between the two. I think number two, bringing the running and the improving of services together. Um, rather than treating them as two separate things. I mean, that's an operational excellent way of thinking, not to differentiate change from running the business and changing the business, but bring it together. And as far as part of that, thinking around how to fix things for immediate benefit, um, there's real financial pressures out there. There are things that can be fixed if we can stop doing things wrong quicker. Um, there's improvement activity out there for medium term gain and, and also for innovation for what I like to call preferable futures. And I think the third thing, which is a bit of a discipline point of view, and it's, it's not necessarily something which those who dedicate their life to social care and providing support to those in need, but actually being more disciplined at prioritising decisions by aligning the evidence from outcomes for people, the operational realities and constraints and pressures and the financial context that the authority finds themselves in. I think what we do in that third point around what a client and I've been using the phrase triangulation is actually keep those things apart and don't spend the effort bringing them together. The result 
you might do something which it helps the cost base massively, but drives a crisis into the operational reality and or certainly doesn't help individual people's outcomes. Or we could over index on the outcomes for a smaller co cohort of people, potentially at the expense of you know, the financial reality and, and a 12 month projection of spend by an authority. So those three yep. steps, simplify, run your services whilst improving the services together and a greater sense of prioritisation where possible. It's a really, really, I think just to cover for that simplification, the way you talk about that, it makes, because I think the thing is, because it's such a, almost a hard, it's so vast adult social care, the problems are so challenging that sometimes it, you do need to have that very structured approach to how you tackle it and how you improve it. Um, and I, I really do like that triangulate process. So can you give me some examples in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, the things that can be done within those kind of three main uh, programs. We talked earlier about technology empowerment. I'd like for you to talk about that, you know, delivering effectiveness and kind of community integration. Can you give us a bit more of an examples of that for those listening at home? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'll take those three levers as you uh, as you outlined. So delivery effectiveness, how do you make sure you're delivering the greatest outcomes um, from the resource that's available to you? So um, a couple of examples on this one, service design really understanding the needs of the different people who come to your service. Um, we mentioned those who early on this conversation, you know, people do come to, to the um, local authority in, in crisis mode, you know, they, they need something, they need help. Um, we also got people who come in a slightly different situation, maybe they're making an earlier inquiry, or maybe the situation has changed or, or, or areas like that, really actually understanding the different personas, which isn't a word that always works, resonates well, actually, within social care, but actually spotting those personas earlier and having an approach tailored for those, those, those different personas, I think is a really important part, deep understanding of service design. And I think secondly, just there's another example here around we could talk about how you do your assessments or how you do your reviews, but actually working out and being clear what those commitments are that are being made at the front door. Um, so the front door, the first point of contact with uh, with an organisation. Um, one of the ways in which to stem demand is to deny entry into the front door. Um, and I do actually think when I have my privilege opportunity to work across lots of different authorities, um, a huge number of people and a huge amount of resources is bluntly spent on managing that demand by preventing entry in, into, into, the, into the service. I think what we then find, and some examples here, of when that demand then represents itself, it is at a far worse situation and much deterioration has happened. Potentially someone had contacted advising that they were frail or someone they were cared about was, was at risk of of harm support may not have been made available at that time that individuals now had a fall they are now not independent they are now reliant they can't get up the stairs in the house and all of those sorts of situations which you can imagine you can often mm. relate to those themselves there are opportunities available for intervening earlier than would normally be seen but at a lower cost as opposed to preventing entry at that front door and waiting for the situation, not necessarily waiting for the situation, but almost pretending that that situation won't come back around again, as an example, within delivery. It does feel like naive, doesn't it? Because everyone knows that that, normally speaking, if someone's presenting with those not qualifying kind of uh, uh, circumstance at that point, they are going to be back, you know, and they are going to be in a worse condition. I've seen this as well. I won't name the council, but um, 
you know, really positive change. Uh, I know somebody that did a transformation piece within their council around the assessment and their starting process was a tick box exercise. And so you had yeah. these people that were presenting in crisis and then you had somebody, no fault of their own, there's a system that was there with asking them, you know, say 15 questions, which then delivered a score. And it was like those people are not in there they're able to to have a conversation with you as, you know, because they're in crisis. So they changed to a conversational model um, just to try and reduce the the people that, you know, to stop people who should be getting support, getting support because they're not of the kind of the, the formality of that. But no, I completely agree with you. My question here as well, there's a huge amount of folks at the moment around innovation because obviously the autumn statement, you know, did not go anywhere near far enough, you know, a bit of a joke. Um, and in terms of, technology being a key way in which we can see innovation and improve the quality of service being delivered how much do you think there is potential wise for technology to change how adult social care is tackled and the services as a general kind of the output um there's a lot of potential in this space i think there's uh, this i kind of separate it into a couple of areas i think the first from technology technology enabled care so actually um how can technology support the delivery of a um, of a person's or an individual's care? We've seen a great example with a London bar who I've been supporting of where um, technology can act on its own as a care support mechanism, potentially to help for independence by putting in um, allowing people to stay in their own homes for longer with alarms and alerts and things like that. But actually, I think the real potential for technology enabled care is aligns to the role of a human carer as well actually so one of the challenges that our provider clients or providers into our um, local authority clients often talk about is the volume and the number of times and visits that are spent and actually when they on site at an individuals they are literally rushing in and having to rush straight out again to, to, to the to the next call um, the pilot project we were working on looked at how could you reduce the number of appointments a day or visits a day through the use of technology enabled care, but actually increase the length of those visits when they did take place. So actually a higher, a maybe an, a, type of, a type of service for like relying on more empathy or a more human connection, which technology couldn't replace. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting method, actually, rather than seeing it as one or the other, such a binary choice, actually, how could you combine a, a support package and Matt, if I could have just allowed back to the community angle you were touching on a moment ago, I think those types of choices around support packages um, and again, how we could intervene earlier if it was more of a conversation type approach as opposed to a, a box ticking um, exercise, which it sometimes could dangerously become. Um, it actually so social workers are really well positioned to understand the needs and the available resources in the community out there. A city council we were supporting uh, a couple of weeks or months ago now, uh, we identified over 100 different community-based services who could support the social care uh, agenda or, or, or individuals drawing on social care, but actually less than a dozen had a proactive relationship with the council. Lots of reasons, lots of history, lots of things have happened that have led to that situation, but that is the reality. By looking to increase the numbers of the interaction points and making it easier, reducing some of the procurement barriers for a small micro provider to get in contact with a local authority, you can actually build a more community centred response to social care. Um, and I think help a, a local authority 
less see its role as the provision of care, more around the connection to support. I'm not saying taking away commissions, commissioned care, but actually uh, increasing the suite and the range of services that is able to connect those in need through to. And if I just come back to your technology point, so I talk, I, I split technology into two, technology enabled care. The second one is actually technology to help a department um, and help to draw connections. There's lots and lots of conversation out there at the moment about AI and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a, uh, certainly not an expert in this, in this angle, but I've been, I was privileged to be at um, National Conference for Adults and uh, Children's Service Directors a couple of weeks ago. There's some great examples there about how AI and or data insight methodologies could really bring out some in analysis and insight um, from existing data that is out there at the moment to help nudge and help to encourage people to take action earlier as opposed to waiting for situations to, to have deteriorated really badly. And I think understanding that very carefully, understanding, you know, about privacy rights and intrusions and all those types of things. It, I think it is really important, but the example that was being shared at the conference, I think it navigated those very carefully um, and it delivered some really impressive results on the back of that. But you know what? I just want to go back to the point there. That, that is absolutely wonderful because this is the thing. You know, councils can't be the, the direct deliverer of care across all instances. Simply can't be done. Not enough money. But the community, and this is what I loved with COVID, you saw there is so many good people out there and organisations. And if you can just unlock that potential, and uh, you, you said a word about um, connecting, the facilitator, you know, being able to facilitate that. And then you start to come in and bring that data-led um, focus around early intervention you're just bringing the best out you've got you're unlocking what is kind of your strengths i mean sometimes i think it gets lost a little bit because we always talk about finances and financial resilience yeah if you can unlock the potential of the community and you give them the data to early intervene and you there is that resilience there in our communities it's not just about the finances and that for me is really special because i think that's something that we don't really champion enough i, I we don't put in a phrase to because it's there there are some people out there alex as you know you mean you're you know more than many people in this country but the, the brilliant stuff that's being done and the impact that has on people's lives you know yeah. it's just unbelievable and i think i think that you know i, I mentioned the phrase sort of purpose-led transformation back at the start a lot of people uh, you know a lot, a lot of careers in that and that's kind of where i spent the earlier part of my career um surely a purpose around supporting and helping people i mean that's one of the most natural things that there is uh, natural human things there is organizations can, can create purpose um in the private sector i certainly can't see why that can't be created and expanded within the public sector which is one of the things i'm um, i say really really passionate about where does that passion come from we've not really talked about that because i mean we've spoken a lot off air and i'm always struck by just how passionate you are and not to, to kind of create caricatures of the private sector versus the public sector. But there is a fundamentally you are incredibly passionate. Where does that come from for you? Oh, I mean, thank you for saying so. I. Um, I think it comes back to that, as I said at the start, the thing that drives me is fixing problems. And in terms of fixing the right sort of problems, this this for me feels like a, a you know, the problem, a problem that needs to be fixed. Um, and. Um, I definitely won't be the person who fixes it, but if I can nudge it a little bit in the right direction, um, make a little bit of a of a difference to people's lives, that that excites me. That makes me get out of bed, um, and I quite enjoy talking to my children uh, about it as well. If I'm being really honest, Matt, as a bit of personal gain there, I, I think that is something which I can um, maybe 
slightly inspire the kids uh, to, to, you know, that they, what they might want to do in their future careers. Luckily, they're only eight and five, so they got some time to, to, to I got some, still got some time to influence them. Absolutely. And do you know what's lovely as well about this is the fact that I think, you know, if we can inspire people just to be curious about how they could be involved within the communities as well mm-hmm. by the work that you're doing, I think that's there's an, there's an unlimited amount of potential in terms of community engagement. But absolutely, I mean, um, it's it's great what you do. And so I guess a final question, because I, 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 you know me, I do like to waffle. How do you know if transformational change is working within adult social care? I mean, it comes there's a, there's a there's the short answer and the long answer the, the the shorter answer very much is if you've done your your bait you've done your discipline like i talked about at the start and you've managed to triangulate your your costs your outcomes and your your inputs your your you know your performance levels then you should see movement in those in those three things all three of those things going in the right direction now that's often easier said than easier said than done i think that um the less tangible, the less specific uh, things to look at. So is the cultural aspect, the alignment within the department. Um, I mentioned earlier this observation that there's lots of people in an authority who find themselves in a role stopping or preventing or under the title of managing demands. Actually, I think when you've got groups of people who are united around a, a single problem and are looking working together to solve that problem when you ask simple questions and you get the same answers back no matter who it is that you've asked i think those are really good indicators that you're working on working in the right direction and i'll leave you with those three questions what do we do how do we do it how well are we doing it i'd encourage um and i do do this myself actually when we start working with new clients i'd encourage um your listeners to maybe go and ask their teams and ask the teams of other teams around them there's those three questions and just look and see the differences in the answers that come back and if you get the same answers back fantastic um if you get difference there's opportunity for improvement i would suggest so just firstly alex thank you so much for coming on and uh, in terms of if you are there listening if you're a member of a, an organization with care responsibilities be that local authority um, or be that a, a part of the supply chain that you know whereby innovation is a part of it reach out to alex um he's he's, he's findable on linkedin alexander.mileman at uk.ey.com but um alex has been genuinely a wonderful way to sign off before christmas thank you so much for your time and i hope you've enjoyed yourself yeah i have indeed thanks so much for the invitation again i hope uh, you and all listen have a good christmas and a healthy and prosperous 2024 it still sounds strange to say <laughs> i've just got robbie williams millennium i'm like where did that <laughs> it's 24 years ago um but no look thank you so much and for those listening at home thank you for your support over the last uh six months it's it's quite strange to believe that we've we've now done 70 episodes um with some really fantastic leaders and today you know we've had a great opportunity to, to speak uh, with one of the experts in the uk around you know really pushing forward transformation uh, within adult social care in the form of alex marman director of local public services at ey um if you've liked it give it a share but tune back in next year where we're going to be getting even more into local government today's episode is sponsored by the uk leisure framework the uk's only dedicated leisure framework the uk leisure framework allows for the direct appointment of a development partner for scoping design and construction of leisure centers and sports facilities the framework is available to all uk public sector organizations and has completed over 100 projects to date For more information, visit leisureframework.co.uk.